From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophers. Today we are talking about free money from the government. It seems to be the platform that Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang is running on. The businessman proposing $1,000 a month for every American age 18 and over, no matter how rich or poor. And Rick Newman seems a little out there, but it's been enough to keep Yang in the race and in those debates. How, how realistic is it? Would you take the money? Sure, why not? If I guess. What are the strings attached? Uh, The string – this is an interesting part of the proposal. So so what he's talking about is this uh, idea called universal basic income or UBI. This idea has been around for a while um, and there have been some experiments with it. And the basic – he calls it the freedom dividend. So that's his – he's branding it the Andrew Yang freedom dividend. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, And um, basically uh, the idea is he wants to give uh, everybody – he wants a government – the U.S. government to give every adult American, uh, regardless of income, $1,000 a month, $12,000 a year. What if you're already on some sort of program, you, yeah. get, you get assistance from the government already? Do you still get this? Uh, no, you would basically have to make a choice. You, you would either choose one or the other. So you, you'd run the numbers and you'd say, well, what's the value of uh, whatever food aid I get or um, any kind of welfare or anything like that? Um, and is it, do I think that's a better deal than the 12000 or do I just want to have the 12000 And the idea behind UBI is that individuals will do a better job of spending the money uh, to do whatever. I mean, there, there's no, there are no rules on what you can do with the money. So, yes, you can spend it all at the casino uh, or you can buy vodka and cigarettes if that's what you want to do. Uh, you're allowed to do that. But the bet is that people won't do that and what, the, what most people will do with the money is spend it where they need it the most. They could use it to cover rent. Uh, you could use it to help pay for education, uh, whatever, anything you want. Child I'd like care. to believe that were true, Rick. I really would. I'd like to believe that if you gave <laughs> Americans a little extra money, that all of them would do the right thing and maybe save for, for college or pay down some bills. But we know, look at why Social Security even came to be, right? We right. have that as a, as a safety cushion because the government didn't think we were going to be okay on our own to save for for the golden years. And, I mean, Social Security came into existence because there was political pressure to make it happen. And by, I think, virtually all accounts, Social Security has done a, a good job of um, helping old older people, uh, seniors, uh, stay out of poverty. I mean, that's yep. it was really an anti-poverty program at the beginning. That was the idea. So you ask, would people really spend this money responsibly? Um, I have a generally a dim view of humanity. <laughs> I know you do, right? <laughs> so uh, no, I'm, I, tend I'm, to, I tend to in this area I'm too, skeptical. I'm sorry to say. But let's say most people did spend it. I'm, sh- I'm sure a lot of people would. I mean, there's uh, there's certainly some truth to, uh, you know, think about single working moms, for example. Um, that, that This kind of money could be a lifeline. Um, it'll help you pay for childcare so you could get to work, uh, you know, whatever. Undoubtedly. And Yang is thinking, look, They'll just pump it back into the economy, right? That's right. his pitch. We give you the money. It helps everybody because then you go out and you spend and it gets pumped into back into the economy. Right. Sounds good on paper, right? But I'm not well, a believer. I'm not even sure it sounds good on paper when you start to talk about what it costs. But let's just talk about um, the proclivities of, of humankind. Um, and 
I, I mean, it's just a given that some people would waste the money. Some people would abuse the privilege basically. Uh, you'd have people spending it on drugs and you know all kinds of things that are never going to do any, any good for anybody. And that would get press. That would, get, that would generate bad press. And even if that was a minority of uh, the people getting the money, it would turn people against it. I, I mean I think uh, uh, you know, we don't have a handout society or at least there's, there are pockets of strong opposition to government handouts. And this would just – uh, royal people, I think. I mean, uh, you know, I think it would be irresistible for reporters to go find these stories of abuse and report them. So it would get a, a disproportionate amount of attention. And this would be very expensive. So people would be paying taxes for this and they would have the idea that that's my taxpayer dollars, uh, you know, helping some guy who's an opioid addict or a fentanyl addict or mm -hmm, something, you know? Mm -hmm. So there would – I think for sure there would be sort of public image problems with this it. This universal basic income, is it employed elsewhere in the world? And, and if so, is it working? No country that I know of does this on a, a, a sort of um, Regular common, basis, common basis. Regular basis, annual basis, OK. Finland uh, did an experiment. Um, they gave uh, – they chose 2,000 people randomly who were unemployed a couple of years ago. I think this began in 2018. So they found 2,000 uh, – no, it ended in 2018. So I guess it started in 2017. They found 2,000 people who were unemployed and gave them about $630 per month, no strings attached. What can you do with the money? Do whatever you want with the money. And then they also um, established a control group of 2,000 – I think it was 2,000 people who did not get the uh, UBI. Uh, the universal basic income, and they tracked the two groups to figure out what kind of differences are there. And what they found was um, the uh, the people who got the check were happier, uh, less stressed out, but it did not do anything to improve employment among those people, which is what they were hoping. They were hoping that this would um, help people sort of get their lives together, firm up their finances a little bit to did help, help, to help them work. help quality of life? Well, they, the people said it did because they were less stressed. They knew they were going to get this check uh, every right. month. Well, um, I can understand that. But so, it didn't incentivize yes. them to go out and find work. Correct. And so they, they it had no sort of large-scale societal benefit. And um, I think if you were going to do anything like this, even on a limited scale, it would have to work economically. So it would, it would have to pay uh, for itself more than just a one-for-one one -one basis. You know, when you talk about spending taxpayer dollars, you want to spend it on stuff where you're going to get more than one dollar back. Um, that you know, and there are better programs and worse programs for that. And it's inexact trying to measure what's a what's a good program. Um, uh, when you give people money, they they spend it. I mean, that's especially if you give lower income money or poorer people money. They sometimes spend all of it. And economists say that generally generates. Um, a better than one-to-one um, -one, uh, sort of economic return ratio. Because mm -hmm. you're spreading and, the wealth, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and you're generating other economic activity. Right. But that is supposed to um, boost employment, and that did not happen in this Finland case. So they did the experiment for a little more than a year, I think, and then they stopped it, and they don't have any plans to do it anymore. Oh, so, so that's not very encouraging so, uh, it for didn't, Mr. It didn't uh, go anywhere. So he, talk, he does talk about how he would pay for this. And what it amounts to, what I yeah. read, is that it's a tax on us all. It's a tax on us all, and it's a big tax on us all. What he does not do is tell you how much this is going to cost. Um, so I just did the math. So if you give $12,000 a year to every adult American, 
there are about 250 million adult Americans over over uh, 18 and over. And if you add it up, it's three trillion dollars. Oh uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so I so now let me I just put that in, let me just put that in perspective. Yeah. Total government spending right now is about four and a half trillion dollars per year. So you would almost double what the government right. is put. You know, government taxpayer do, government dollars going out the it's door. It's absurd. What what do, are Americans by and large behind this? Uh, there's got to be some surveys out there that show how people feel about it. Younger this. people like it. Older people don't like it. Um, in other words, the pe- people paying taxes don't <laughs> right. like it. People who are not paying taxes or paying very little taxes, very uh, minimal taxes, do like it. And the so, crazy thing is if you have five people in your household who are 18 and older, in that one household, you've got an right. extra 5000 That's right. A month. Yeah, a, a month. month. A not month, not a year. Right. OK. So talk to me about how he wants to pay for this. So uh, – it's really easy. All he would do is impose a 10 percent value-added tax. Uh, there would be a financial transaction tax, other taxes on the wealthy, I mean, so on, so on, that. so on. A 10 percent value-added tax. So wow. um, that is a big tax. Yeah, we do not have a, a value-added tax. tax. So what right. a value-added so tax is— we go from zero is, to 10 percent. Yeah, and you, I guess you could phase it in, which is the way you'd have— if you, if you impose the, a tax uh, like that all at once, it would, it would really hurt the economy because it just takes money out of people's pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do not have a value-added tax in the United States, but most countries do have a value-added tax. It's basically a national sales tax, and it's actually a good tax. Um, uh, that's what economists say and tax experts say because um, it, it, it sort of taxes the right thing um, and people might be thinking to themselves, oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, you know, we already have state sales taxes and local sales taxes in some cases. Now you want to put a national sales tax on everything. Um, it, so it's – yeah, it would drive up prices but uh, as, a, as a concept, it's better to tax consumption, stuff we buy, than to tax income, which is labor. Um, so when you tax income, it's actually a disincentive to work um, because it lowers the return on labor. And you know, ordinary people don't necessarily think that way. It lowers the return on labor. But w- they do think um, if, if I'm going to be paying X amount, X percent uh, on, on my income, um, do I really want to work the 40th hour or the 50th hour or the 60th hour? At some point, you say it's not worth it. Um, if you shifted away from income taxes and you shifted more toward consumption taxes, you would give people more incentive to work um, and they would generate more economic – they'd work more. Uh, they'd generate more econo- economic activity and that would probably be good on net. Now, that's not what Yang is talking about. He's just talking about leaving all the other taxes in place and imposing this new value-added tax. Um, so stuff would get more expensive um, and there would have to be other taxes on top of that. Also, a new payroll tax on the wealthy. So if you earn above, I think it's $250,000, you'd be paying a new payroll tax. So I have to That's think, a lot of new taxes. Yeah, exactly. So how how is this supposed to be good for the economy in the long run? Uh, I'm not sure it is supposed to be good for the economy in the long run. So the reason that UBI has gotten sort of re- – I get this is an old idea. Right. Uh, I read somewhere that Thomas More wrote about this concept <laughs> in uh, his book Utopia. Uh, what year was that again? Oh, okay. <laughs> nope. 1500s? Don't know that one. Was it the 1500s or 1600s? I have 1600s? to think so. I can, I can look that up you as can, we go. You can Google but, it yeah. while we're looking. All right. So um, while we're talking. Uh, so the idea – this has kind of um, gotten popular again because of what's happening with the technology economy. So some people think that we're, we are going to get to a point where robots and automation are going to do most of the jobs and um, there's just not going to be much for humans to do. 
mm-hmm. uh, and that you know uh, national wealth will be largely controlled by technologists, you know people who run uh, Facebook and Google and Amazon and Apple, mm-hmm. and that the rest of us are just not going to have anything to do. Now that hasn't happened yet. I mean, there were people who thought this should be happening by now, and the unemployment rate, lo and behold, is at three point seven percent. It's very low. There's plenty of work for people. Pl- uh, work in the service sector, healthcare is growing. Uh, did you find where Thomas yeah, Moore's Utopia? Yeah, I'm looking. We were pretty off because Thomas Paine was born in Thomas 1737. Thomas Moore, not Paine. Moore. Oh. M-O-R-E. We're going to have to get this out. This is high speed journalism, real you know, real time high speed know. journalism as we do a Google search. So, anyway, so the idea is uh, if we get to that point where robots are doing all the jobs and none, there's no work for any of the rest of us, yeah. uh, and the rich people, you know, this small cluster of rich people have all the money, well, just basically take some money from them and give everybody free money. Um, that's it. But I mean, that hasn't happened yet. So we, we have displacement in the labor force. We certainly have a labor force that heavily favors people with technology skills and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that hasn't made the rest of everybody else irrelevant. It's just made it harder to get ahead. And by the way, people can go and get those technology skills uh, and do things like operate, um, you know, sophisticated assembly line equipment um, that requires right. some, you know, technical knowledge to know how to do that. So um, anyway, um, that's the idea behind UBI, and but it doesn't reflect ca- the real economy. No, and he's the only candidate, by the way, pushing Absolutely. an idea like this. The only major it candidate. It seems yeah. really gimmicky to me. I mean, even at the at the most recent debate, it just seemed like you know one of those late night commercials. Call in now, <laughs> but wait, there's more. You'll get a thousand dollars a month. You know, every month. Uh, I mean, I agree. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Andrew Yang kind of came from nowhere. Nobody heard of, of him before the 2020 uh, presidential campaign started, and he is hanging in there. I mean, it's notable that he has he's made the cut for all the debates. I mean, you know, Kirsten Gillibrand, who's a senator, did not make the cut for the last debate, and she neither dropped did, out. Neither did de Blasio from right. New York. The New Yorkers aren't doing too well. Both de Blasio uh, and Gillibrand maybe the had country's to, uh, telling us New York or something <laughs> to drop I, out, perhaps. So you know, he's got Andrew Yang has this. Um, he doesn't have a huge following, but but he has a very devoted following. So right. that you know, high intent intensity people who like his ideas. And when he uh, ran this, he's running this contest, which he announced during the uh, the third Democratic debate, um, that he's going to actually give 12 months worth of UBI to, I think, 10 contest winners. And uh, he said, you know, law, uh, register for the contest on our website. And he got almost half a million people oh, who, want, who registered for the $1,000 a month. And what's supposed so, to happen if you get it? Are you supposed to log how you spend it? Or is this no. going to be his little test case? Uh, I think it's a publicity it's stunt. It's a publicity stunt. Uh, I, 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 I don't know that you can do a meaningful test case with, <laughs> with 10 people. With 10 people. Um, but he's – unless unless the ter- this turns out to be illegal somehow, there, there were some That's questions question. about whether – I mean, it's like campaign money. Can you just take a campaign money and give it out to people, or does it have to come from some dedicated source? But let's say he does it. Um, It's going to. They're going to be ten people um, Mm -hmm. who are going to get a thousand dollars a month for the next year. And note the timing. So people, he's literally giving money away to voters in the twelve months prior to an election. It sounds like buying the vote to me. Uh, well, it sounds like buying ten people's vote as a as a <laughs> but it can as a demonstration those 10 project. Ten people know ten people, right? And those ten so, people know ten people, and who knows? Maybe those ten. I mean, those te- those ten people are probably Andrew Yang fanboys right. uh, and women. And, um, you know, they may be a year from now singing the praises of uh, Andrew Yang and saying, but, "Here's what the twelve thousand dollars allowed me to do." Look, we're bashing UBI, but are there parts of it 
Is the spirit of it something that perhaps Congress should be embracing, retooling and and use for the American people? I don't know. I, I'm not feeling it, honestly. <laughs> uh, I mean, are you feeling it? I'm I mean, really not. I was just looking to you're, – you're a creative guy I mean, and I thought have, you might have We have, have tons of safety net programs already uh, and you could certainly argue that they should work better. Um, I guess the big difference is it's not need-based, right? It's the one sort of assistance yep. that wouldn't be need-based and, and do is, – and So is rich that people the right would thing? get it. Rich people would get it. Right. I, I guess you could turn it down. Um, but um, and he, or give it, it to charity or yeah, have it as a right. tax write-off. Uh, Andrew Andrew Yang says the purpose of that is to um, first simplify the administration of it, so you don't have to uh, have some government bureaucracy that establishes your worthiness, whatever that threshold is. Would it be an income-based threshold, probably, or a wealth-based threshold, or something? Um, so you eliminate the uh, you know the bureaucracy, but he says also it would el- eliminate any stigma that comes with it. Mm. Um, you mean you mean talking about inequality? I, I doubt yeah. this is really going to help move the needle when it comes to income inequality. Uh, I do too. Um, I mean, it's basically a giant redistribution program. Right. You're taking money from one group of people, which is all consumers. And you're giving it to another group of people, which is sort of the same, but not exactly the same, which is all um, adults. Um, so you're not giving a like amount. You're not taking a, a, an amount from the consumers and giving the same amount to other consumers or giving it back to people. You're taking more from people who buy more mm-hmm. and through the through the value added tax or the or the national sales tax, and, and then you're give, just giving a like amount to everybody. Did he mention at all if this? Would be taxed as income, or do you get? I don't. That's a good question. I don't know, but it would. It would. It would be self defeating. I think if you taxed it. Right. That's why I was curious. And it's not labor income per se. It's just. It's like I don't know what it is. Right. Uh, Under our current laws right now, you can (laughs) gift me. A th- I think ten thousand dollars, up to ten thousand a year, without me having to pay taxes on. Uh, it, I'm so. not planning to. Okay. No offense. <laughs> I'm not planning to gift you ten thousand either, so don't worry about it. But I'm so, glad to know that I have that option. <laughs> oh sure. I, everybody knows that now. I put it out on the table. Andrew Yang, though, how much longer is he going to be in this race? Do you think? Uh, I feel like maybe he has staying power. I mean, he he has. He what? doesn't win the nomination, though. No, I don't. I don't think so. But um, I mean, I I you know. People have been – you're a fool to predict who you think is going to win this far out. Uh, you know, we there are lots of examples of somebody who was way behind at this point and had a surprise showing in Iowa or New Hampshire and suddenly, you know, is at the top of the field. I think John Kerry in 2004 uh, was, was like number five or six in the polls at this point and he ended up getting the Democratic nomination. So a lot can change. Um, there, the, the, one of the things about everything Andrew Yang is proposing is, um, you know, he's talking about an extra payroll tax, for instance. Well, we're probably going to need to raise the payroll tax just to keep Social Security solvent. So that's he, number that, one. So that's one of the things he, ways he wants to raise uh, money for UBI. But mm-hmm. we have a lot of other things we have to fund, and I, I feel I sort of feel like the central problem here is there's a lot of broken stuff in the government that needs fixed. Before you ever talk about something like UBI, I mean, healthcare is the most obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Medicare is going to start running short of money uh, around 2024, I think, 20, mm-hmm. 2025. That's less than 10 years from now, and that's going to happen. That's not the, the, theoretical. That is actually going to happen. Uh, you know, most of the other Democrats are talking about how do we close the gap on healthcare so that it's more affordable and the 30 million people who don't have insurance are covered somehow. 
that's really expensive. We got Medicare for all is obviously one, but other ideas for how to do that. Um, it, ju- it just doesn't feel like the number one thing we do- need to do is give $12,000 a year to everybody, including people who um, don't need it. I'm with you on that, but I'm sure the UBI freedom dividend debate will continue as long as Andrew Yang is uh, is on the debate and campaign circuit. And if he keeps giving away money. All right. By the way, Thomas More, Utopia, fifteen sixteen. So we think we think that was the internet told me somewhere that that was sort of the first mention of something resembling a universal basic income. So everybody go check it out now. So this idea is five almost six hundred years old. Yeah, run and get that Utopia book. Look it up and see if Andrew Yang's got something. We'd By the way, if this idea has been around for six hundred years and nobody has ever implemented it, I think, think that it, tells you something. Perhaps, but you never know. All yeah. right, we want to thank everybody for checking out this Ballads and Dollars podcast. Uh, I'm Alexis. Follow me at. Alexis TV News on Twitter. And follow me at Rick J. Newman and be nice for Christ's sake. (laughs) We love to hear from you guys, good, bad, or indifferent. Look forward to another podcast next week. In the meantime, please do go and uh, rate and review what you just heard. It's the best history lesson you'll get anywhere. 